The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Tremendous change can start with one small act, something as small as a broken window. That broken window can be one act of crime, one act of neglect, one act of hate. One broken window opens the door to many more, and the shattered glass at this house starts to shout the self-fulfilling story of a broken street. Before we know it, reality begins to bend around this new perception. This distorted environment starts producing refuse it never had before. Value drops, poverty rises, homelessness moves in. Broken homes and families, abandoned wives, mothers and children. Gangs, violence, murder, and a drug epidemic taking more lives than we can count. Word begins to spread from conversations to a headline to a full-blown narrative. And finally, we're branded with the ugly nicknames and a repulsive reputation. The condition of the street spread to the block, transmit to the community, and infect the entire city. And from one broken window, we're now left with a broken city. Well, tremendous change can start with one small act. So that's where we start, with small, singular acts of goodness. We fight neglect with care. We combat crime with service, and we battle hate with love. We mend, repair, rebuild, one window at a time. As God's hands and with Him on our side, we serve, give, and live for our city, believing that the tides can and will be reversed. Believing that we are the catalyst that transformed this city, healed, mended, restored, made new. We stop the trash talk, flip the script, change the conversation. We rewrite the headlines and recreate the reputation our city will carry. God is for our city. The church is for our city and we are for our city. We are for our city, amen. Over the last few weeks during the For Our City campaign, we've been, we've been seeing the Lord transform hearts and lives in our communities. It's been an exciting time. But we still live in a day which our culture is in crisis. We watch the news, we read, some, read the paper, and we hear of individuals taking advantage of other individuals. We hear on a daily basis of, of um, famous individuals taking advantage of other famous individuals. We hear of sexual harassment. We hear of human trafficking. We hear of all these things that are happening on a, on a daily basis within our communities. It draws us to a place of, of concern, of feeling a bit overwhelmed. We come back at times where we're thinking of our culture in crisis, and we look at, we think of, you know, when did it ever become the norm? Certain behaviors, the deviant behaviors ever become the norm? When did pornography ever, ever become the norm within a culture or society? We struggle when we see these things. Imagine with me this story, because sometimes when we think of this, a culture in crisis and we think of human trafficking and we think of those things that are happening in our community, sometimes we try to just look, up, look away from it and try to ignore it and say, oh, well, that's not happening here. That's not happening in our communities. But imagine with me this thinking of a middle school student in our local community. You know, their whole lives they went from, they lived from one home to another, one couch to another couch. 
They went from one school to another school, sometimes going through multiple schools in one year. And as they're going through this journey of life, all they really want is just to be accepted and loved as a young person. So as they're living in their communities, a community member comes over that, you know, we don't, they don't know, they just want to be accepted. To them, that lifestyle is just the norm. It's what they've always known. But they just want to be accepted. They just want to be loved and cared for. Never knowing that there would be someone in the community that may be a person of authority that may want to take advantage of that person. Some facts as I was studying for this passage, for this message, really stood out to me as I was thinking of that story. That young middle school student's life can be changed forever just because of a decision one day to go meet with someone that they thought was their friend. And next thing you know, their life is transformed forever because they're pulled into to a lifestyle, a world that they never knew really existed. Today, our women and our children, both young and old, are in crisis. Human sex trafficking is a worldwide crisis that we're beginning to recognize is impacting us here locally. The National Human Trafficking Resource Center last year, my friends, highlighted this. 158 cases were reported just in Maryland. And another 151 cases were reported in Pennsylvania. This stood out to me as something that was quite troubling when I read this that said, Washington County is one of several jurisdictions in Maryland. Our region, our county, is one of several jurisdictions in Maryland that has become a hub for trafficking of children. What is trafficking, you may ask? Trafficking is the abuse of young men and women to support the pornography industry. I sat back and I thought to myself, it just gripped my heart, it challenged me. I work in human services, I know stories, I know, uh, you know, it challenges me in, uh, in my core as a pastor, as a marketplace minister, as someone who's lived in this community. There are times that something, another line that kind of stood out to me that even within the church, there's a philosophy at times that, that some of the deviant behavior that we see in the community is the norm. You know, that every time someone goes and views a porn, porn website, what they're really doing, just by clicking onto it, is that they're funding this human trafficking monster. Because we live in a day when we just think that pleasure is okay. Oh, well, it's just something that I want to do, or I just have to do this. But we don't realize the ramification of something that seems that the world says is just the norm. We see it in Hollywood. We see it, you know, you watch some of the famous movies that are out there today, and we just spin it off as something that's humorous, or it's something that, oh, you know, everybody's doing it. It's all right. But we don't realize that when you click on a website, you view porn, you buy a videotape, anything of that sort, you're fueling this monster of an industry of human trafficking. That's a global issue. So what is the problem? The problem is rooted back to, we know, is a self-nature, selfish nature that we're always thinking about self. But it's bigger than that. It's a, it's a problem with the strong taking advantage of the weak. It's the financially strong taking, taking advantage of the financially weak. 
It's the, those that are physically strong taking advantage of those that are physically weak. And where is that rooted? What does that come from? We, we, many of us may sit back and we, we're right here and we're thinking, we're like, well, it's obvious, Dave, or it's obvious. It's a sin nature. That's all it is. But knowing that is power, knowing that that is the root, yes, but we need to go further. What, what do we do to bring change? I remember back in the days when we were doing, I was part of a ministry here, uh, here at the church, and I was talking, we, we had a group of guys, and we were over at, at one of the softball fields here, and one of the guys was just saying to me, he was like, Pastor Dave, you don't understand, you know, young people today are in crisis, and these are the situations that are going on, and how do we bring change to that? And they started throwing out statistics, and they were like, well, this percentage, this, and then, and we're all in a group, and we're talking about it, and the one thing the Holy Spirit just laid on my heart was this, is that the only thing that brings change in times of crisis is when somebody says, I want to make a difference. I want to do something about it. See, it's one thing to accept statistics. It's one thing to read information and be like, holy mackerel, this is going on in our communities. These are real issues. But now what can we do to bring change to it? For many of us, we sit back and we feel overwhelmed. We go, you know, we fall into the trap of feeling helpless. We say, well, you know, outside of one person stepping in, what can we really do? What can we do to bring change to this situation what can we do to bring change or save one boy or one girl or, or one family from this lifestyle or this, this oppressive enterprise? See, as we've been looking at the For Our City message series, we've been dealing with very hot topics, very real topics that are, that are challenges in our community. But you know, the book of James is an interesting book. So let's open our Bibles and let's look at James chapter 5 and say, how does this relate? How does this topic impact us? How, does it, how, how can we bring change to this? Well, let's look at how James managed it and challenges us today. So James chapter 5, we read, Now listen, you rich people, weak and evil, because of the misery that is coming upon you, your wealth has rotted, your ma- the, and moths have eaten your, cloth, your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh. Like you, you have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you fail to pay, the workmen will be, mo- will be moved, will be mowed when they mowed your fields, are crying against you. The cries of the harvest have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. See, James was one that he, he didn't want to just hear of the problem, but he wanted to get involved in it. See, the challenge in, in that culture was simply this. In that culture, the strong oppressed the weak. And we had, he opens, James opens up in that text. He opens up with that message that, you know something? These wealthy farmers were taking advantage of their servants. We find that throughout that past. So in his culture, he was dealing with, you know, young ladies' daughters were not very highly valued. So not only were were farmers taking advantage or, or labor of their laborers, but we see that in that culture, in James's culture, 
daughters were not highly valued. So many times daughters were just given out and surrendered into the community to, as slaves or as prostitutes. We find also that in that culture, the men, the elite men, were the ones that were predominantly educated and women were never educated. You know, when I read of this and I, I read this passage and I started looking into it a little bit, I started thinking to myself, I'm like, is that culture so much different than ours today? Think about places around the world where that culture is still the same. Individuals are not highly valued. James believed to have the ability to help others and not do so was immoral. James' challenge for us today is simply this, and I need you to repeat this after me. Can we, can we, be the difference. Thank you for engaging in that. <laughs> James's challenge to the church then, to the culture then, to the church back then, and to the church today was that can we be the difference? Can we take a stand and do something about the challenges of human trafficking in our world today? Can we take a stand in the authority in the name of Jesus Christ and get involved See, James wanted us to be a culture changer. He didn't want us to fall into the trap of, what can I do about this? I'm just going to focus on me, myself, and I, and it'll be okay. Last week, Pastor Corey used this statement, and it's just resounded, and I just, and just really, so many times we seek God's face, we say, God, do a move in this community, transform hearts, God, meet those needs, and as I was prepping this message, Pastor Corey had said something about, we are the move of God for our city today, and I started thinking about that, and I started thinking about James, and I started thinking about how he was a culture changer. He wasn't okay with what was going on, but he felt that something had to be different, Something had to happen. So as the church, we needed to step up and be, be the, the, and make the difference or be the difference and be, create a culture of change. So Pastor Corey said, can we be the move of God for our city? There are individuals within our community right now that are saying yes. As, as James was challenging the church then, we find over his, historically that the Christian church Many times those, uh, those laborers are being taken advantage of. Many times the church would step in and meet the need. The daughters that were put out and cast out because they were not valued were taken in by church missionary organizations and church organizations so that they could find a place and a hope. The church was also taken in historically by women were also educated to, to levels because the church stepped in and missions organizations stepped in to bring change to a community. And as I was thinking of this, and James was highlighting this, and we're looking at the culture that James had, how it's similar to ours in so many ways, and then we think of how the church historically has stepped in, I started thinking of a story of an individual that he had come to visit this church on occasion, and he, he, he has a ministry called Harvest India, and, and I just started really thinking about just stories, a story that he told me of how 
when his mother started this outreach to prostitutes and to those who have leprosy and, and children who, who had been cast out, cast out from their, into their community with, or they lost their parents. And I started thinking about it. And I'm like, talking about being a culture changer. Here, this, this pastor's mother started something in, in a, in a you know, she didn't want to accept the norm. She didn't want to accept all these things that were happening. So she went out in a primary, in a, in a non-Christian environment and said, I'm going to bring the change. And she started Harvest India. And some of you may know Pastor Suresh and may follow him on Facebook or someone else, but I started thinking about those, those principles of, as I was watching just a few weeks ago about being a culture changer, and he had posted that they were feeding these, these families in this leprosy that had leprosy and how the Holy Spirit, and he had some of the pastors that were ministering to the people who had leprosy. And you sit back and say, whoa, that's happening around the world? See, because human trafficking is a global issue. And it takes individuals to sit back and say, I will not accept this any longer, but I will be, I will not no longer live by fear, but I'm a child of God. I'm going to take a stand and we're going to bring change to these situations. They're bigger than I am, but I serve a God that's bigger than that situation. Amen? Sometimes we need to be reminded to have courage in times like this, that for us to be the difference, to, for us to be a, a culture changer, we need to be dependent and reliant on God. See, here's the deal. God loved us so much that he sent his son. We know this, right? We know the gospel message. But think about this. When we were, when we were bound in slaves to sin, when we, had, when we were unlovely in so many ways, when others judged us for the way we lived, for the way... God still died on a cross for you and for me. See, he paid a ransom for us that we didn't deserve. So when he gave his life for us and we were slave to sin and bound to sin, Jesus gave his life so that we could be set free. And that freedom was not, came at a price. And sometimes we need to be reminded that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we believe that, the son, that he is the Son of God, we believe that he gave his life and his price on that cross redeemed us, set us free from that bondage of sin. We are no longer bound by the sin that held us back. And for many of us, it may be very different. We may reflect upon our stories and think, wow, I, I was a drug addict. I was stuck in human trafficking. I was a prostitute. I was, I was just not living for God. I was living for self. It was all about me and nothing else. I was a mean person. I was an angry person. What is your story? Only you know, and God knows. But God saw you that way, and he said, I'm still going to die for you. And if you accept me, I will cleanse your, I will clean your slate and you're made new and you're made whole from this moment forward. And you are a child of God. Amen. That is the gospel. There are young people today all around the world that have gotten ensnared into this, into this world of human trafficking. They're, or, and if it's not human trafficking, they're being oppressed by something else. And sin is binding them down. And all they need is one person to say this, to come up and say, you know something? I love you and God loves you. Come with me. Sometimes that's all it takes. Sometimes it's all it takes just to go over to, you know, <laughs> my kids are going to make fun of me, but I go, we go to Dunkin' Donuts every time we come to church on Sunday mornings. And that's, that's how I bribe them to come to church. Just want to let you know. <laughs> they get up in the morning. They're like, okay, we're going to go serve at the church this morning. I'm like, yep. He goes, are we going to do a DD run? I'm like, yep. 
<laughs> so, so that's how I get them to come to church. So they come to church. Well, they, they would come anyway, but, um, but that's, how, that's the motivation. So they come in. So one of the ways we're talking, I'm a very social person, so I like to talk to people. So I always meet, meet folks all over and start conversation, which drive my kids nuts. nuts. But, you know, so I'm at Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm having this, and it's been multiple weeks now, so I have this have really good conversation with this one person that works that I've seen pretty much every week. So as I'm talking to the person, I'm asking them, say, How, so how's your week this week? And they look at me and they say, it's, it's been a bad week. And I sit back and I go, oh, I'm sorry. Well, have a nice day. <laughs> Drive away. But there's something when we understand the gospel message that whether you're going to a fast food place, you're going to Walmart, it's Black Friday, you're going to the stores, there's something about the gospel message when you're going to a school and you're working with kids in school on a weekly basis that should move us to say, you know something, I'm not okay with you being there. What's going on? Let me introduce you to my friend Jesus. I don't know what your situation is. I can't change your situation, but I know because I know because I know because he did it for me. I know someone that can change your situation. All it takes is one person at a time. We can change the statistic just by saying, I'm going to, in the authority in the name of Jesus Christ, take a stand and help this person in this time. So that's become my mission field at Dunkin' Donuts. I get good coffee, but I'm also being a witness. We pray, we seek his face. We cannot forget the gospel message, for it is a gospel that drives us. When we hear of st stories like, what well, we just heard of, you know, 25 people being baptized, 25 people redirect, re, rededicating their lives to Jesus Christ. We should be moved to excitement to say this is something amazing that God's doing in this community, and it's bigger than me. God doesn't want us to only be the difference, but he wants us to be the difference by living for eternity now. Let's look at James chapter 5, verse 7. See, Jesus wants us to do a few things. Jesus wants us to walk with him. Do you know, my friends, how many of us know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Many of us will sit back and say, yeah, Pastor Dave, I know what it means. It means that he's an ever-present help in time of need. It means that when I walk with him, I'm not alone because I know he's with me. It means that no matter what the circumstance and situation I'm confronted with, no matter how big fear may seem like it's going to overwhelm me, he's with me so I have comfort and I have peace. See, we understand that dynamic of relationship, but there's a generation of young people that don't understand that. There's a generation of people that don't know that. They've lived in darkness so long that they don't know what does it mean to have a relationship with God? What does it mean to have a relationship with a God that loves them unconditionally? They want to be, learned, they want to be taught. Scriptures tell us a city on a hill, a lamp it cannot be hidden. How is a generation going to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ unless we model it? Unless we can model an unconditional love. Jesus wants us to know that he wants to walk with us now. Hear me, my friends, that situations may not change overnight, but God is more than able, God is more than capable to bring us through as he walks with us. Situations do change. God wants us to live now, but keep an eternity on the mind. 
So everything we do now in touching people's hearts and in speaking into people's lives is not just focusing on the moment. It's not just focusing on a certain situation, but it says, how does this impact this person for eternity? It's too easy in today's society just to write people off and say, oh, well, it'll be all right. But we have to go beyond that. And as we were looking at James chapter 5 or 7, he says this. He says, dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider farmers who patiently wait for the rains to fall in the spring. They eagerly look for, for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. James was highlighting this and it's something that we can relate to today. James was highlighting this valuable point that the Lord is going to return. And from, and from when James was, was, pen, was penning that passage as the Holy Spirit was leading him, he was letting the church know then that the imminent return of the Lord was coming soon. But what happens as time has progressed, as time has moved on, and we sit back and we okay, all right, well, we love Jesus. I've been serving Jesus a long time. I have credentials for, my, for serving Jesus. I've seen people's hearts, lives transformed in the name of Jesus. We get caught up in this comfort zone. Or we think like, we're doing, we're, we're doing enough. But my friends, as James challenged the church there, the challenge is the same for us today. The Lord will return and he is coming soon. So what he is saying is live, live differently today. Keep, be the difference today. Keep eternity in mind that the Lord may return tomorrow. I had this conversation just, just last week with somebody. They grew up in church. They know about Jesus. They know all there is to know about Bible stories and church stories, and they'll be the first ones to kind of correct me sometimes. They'll be like, oh, yeah, you know, you know, I remember that Bible story. I remember teaching that Bible story and this kind of stuff. But the ensnare of the enemy is we get comfortable and we start thinking that that's all we need. Oh, Jesus loves me. I have a relation. I'm good. And then we start focusing on this. And it's all about us. So here's the thing, my friends, and this is where I'm going with this, is to be the difference and deliver eternity, we have to remember this key point is that having a knowledge of who Jesus is is not enough. We have to have a relationship with him. And a relationship is similar to this. As I look at my wife, and I, I look forward to calling her on a daily basis. I look forward to spending time with her on a daily basis. I send her a note. I surprised her this week, everybody. Okay, so we celebrate a birthday week. Bear with me. And um, so I, it was her birthday week, so I sent her a thing of flowers. So every day I sent her something different. She had no clue. So she's at the school, and somebody walks in with this thing of flowers. Do you know that every time that I saw her throughout the week, there was something that was stirred in her. She was just happy. She was joyous. She had a smile on her face. She was like, I didn't see that coming. I didn't know you were going to do that. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> do you know that our, our loving God does the same thing with us? That's the difference between having a knowledge and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we realize that God every day does something unique in our hearts and in our lives. And all we need to do is pay attention to it and acknowledge that, God, I realize this is from you. When we have that relationship, it helps us understand what it means to live for eternity. That every day, 
I realize that my Lord can return tomorrow. Injustice is there. Cruelty is there. These things may be here, but the Lord will return, and he is the righteous judge, and he will judge those that refuse to know him. God desires for us to be the difference. He desires us to be the difference living for eternity, but he also desires us to be the difference by living expectantly. And that passage of scripture that we just read in James, it's a powerful text. It really made me kind of reflect a bit. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains to fall. Have you ever, have you ever met a farmer? <laughs> Blood, sweat, and tears as they're running machinery, as they're tending, they're, they're, tearing, they're, they're on a schedule, they're tearing up, they're prepping the, the soil, they're making sure the produce, you know, they're sowing seed, they're, making, they're watching the weather patterns, they're making sure that, that bugs and stuff don't get onto the crop. But why do they do all that? Do they do it just to say, hey, look, I put a garden together, there it is, or a farm. And they do it with an expectancy. And what is the expectancy? They're expecting a harvest. They're expecting a harvest that will produce fruit and life for them and their community. My friends, it's the same principle when we're looking at the kingdom of God. When we sit back and say, well, what, what are we holding on to? What are we investing in? James says, I see as the farmers are, are sowing and they're, they're, they're prepping the soil, they're sowing, they're reaping, they're harvest. They do it with an expectancy that that harvest will come and it'll produce life. So my friends, what are we investing in today? You know, it's interesting. I do a lot with computers. I mean, you're kind of, I'm not a jack of all trades, but I do, I, I've been taught by great people uh, <laughs> a lot about computers. And, um, you know, I haven't had a conversation with somebody a few days ago and they were talking to me about uh, this, back when Radio Shack came up with the first computer. And it was like, well, not for, well, I can't say it was Radio Shack, but my first computer was from Radio Shack, you know, and I remember paying, it was, it was like, it was an expensive machine, you know, it was, it was the type of thing that, I mean, it, we were all excited. It took like 15 minutes for the computer to turn on, <laughs> turn it on, it would buzz and it would do all this stuff and then a little, a little prompt would kick on there and, but I remember as a kid, I was like, oh, man, we got a computer in the house and look, I can play a game. It's slower than anything, but I can play a game and, and we got it. But I remember the investment. I know individuals went out and they started buying all this tech and all this. And now we look many years later and, and most of our houses, we have multiple TVs and all this technology and, and we're investing and investing and investing. But you want to know something, my friends? That computer that I bought back in the day, it's in the garbage. My first car that I was like, oh man, I can't wait. I, work, I worked three jobs and I made sure that I bought this car. And you know, that car is not even on the road anymore. See, my friends, we have a tendency of investing a lot into things that will not hold its value. As a pastor, I've worked with a lot of families. They, they stored up treasures on this earth and they, 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 they planned and they stored and they stored and they stored. And at the end of the day, all the stuff it was just stuff. It was for the temporary. It wasn't for the eternal. And my friends, James is challenging us and Jesus is challenging us today. Let's look at this and turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. It says this, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth 
where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. My friends, where are we investing our time, our energy, and our lives? Where are we investing it today? Are we investing our lives, our time, and our energy into the kingdom of God? Are we, are we keeping God on the forefront of our decision-making? As we wrap up this morning, we dealt with a heavy topic as we're wrapping up on our series on the For Our City series, and we talked about human trafficking, and we're like, that was some pretty heavy stuff in the beginning. But God, as we look at the scripture, as we look at James's text, as we look at the victory that we have in Christ, God can transform a heart and a life if we are willing to be the move of God for our city today. Where do we start, you may ask? We start first and foremost. Do we have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do we, under, do we know him as the unconditional, loving God that loves us beyond our wildest understanding and comprehension? Do we know him and do we have a relationship with him? Secondly, we, we start seeking God's face to help meet these needs. God, how can I stop human trafficking in my community? How can I even save one kid? God, can you give me that opportunity? We get connected. And lastly, relationship with him, seeking him in prayer. And the last thing is we get involved. We get involved by getting connected to community organizations to say, I want to be a part of helping stop this. Maybe it's even through the church saying, you know something, how can we partner with somebody and bring change to this community? Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. So if everybody can bow their, bow their heads, close their eyes, and let's just take a few moments. My charge, as everyone, every head bowed and eyes closes, is simply this, is that if you don't know what it means to have, to know, to have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're not sure what it means to have a relationship with God, I just ask you now, there's a prayer team to my left that's going to be here. I ask you now just to take, they're here to pray with you and meet you where you're at, and they will talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here today and that's you, I just encourage you, today is the day of salvation. The Lord's return, he is coming soon, and we're never promised tomorrow. So take advantage, take the, make the decision today to learn and know what it means to have a relationship with him. If you're here today, my friends, and, and you, maybe you are struggling with just how to get involved, I just encourage you as the worship team prepares to lead us in worship, just to seek his face. Raise your hands up high and say, God, speak to me today. How can I help end this challenge and this problem or, or make an impact on this challenge of human trafficking today? God, use me. And maybe it's through prayer and maybe it's through action, but his Holy Spirit will speak to us this morning because he is an ever-present help in time of need and he will meet you where you are right now because he will have a plan for this community and how you can be a difference in this community. My friends, let's stand and let's worship the Lord now.
Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.